The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. This is Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on TNT. Good morning. Good morning and welcome back. Uh, we're having a little conversation here in the studio just about uh, potentially where to be in a safe place in case we get nuked. Murray and I were talking about this and I was talking about the geography of Australia. I was talking about the geography of Ireland as well. So yeah, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but if you can find yourself a nice quiet place to live, it's certainly not going to be any bad thing. This is TNT, today's news talk. I'm Rick Munn and this is the open line show and yeah we've still got plenty more in the can in the tank uh, to deliver to you people will want to leave you completely leave everything on the table here this morning whenever we exit stage left so i have uh gemma on the way in uh, i also have kira connolly hopefully will be joining me for the first time as well here on locked and loaded and Ashling O'Loughlin, both from Ireland. So we're going to focus in a little bit on the many of the domestic issues that Ireland has here this morning, uh, which is great uh, because obviously it's something that's not just affecting me, but many, many of the people that listen to TNT are currently based in Ireland. Uh, just before we go any further, if you don't already know this, uh, which I'm sure you do, but I'll just remind you that we're streaming video now as well as audio only. Many, many people have uh, downloaded the app, the TNT radio app from the Google Play Store or the App Store. Uh, you can listen in there or you can watch. Uh, we stream out all our programs live now as well. Uh, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, you can go to our website, tntradio.live, and there's a little uh, insert there that you can watch the live stream from that or Odyssey or any of the major streaming platforms. Listen and or watch. The choice is yours, but we know the video streaming is proving to be incredibly popular and many people are now confessing that they have a TNT, today's news talk addiction, because they just can't switch us off when they should be out looking after their children or maybe going to work or taking care of the house. They're now addicted, hopelessly addicted to TNT. <laughs> That's part of the plan, people. That's part of the plan. But anyway, uh, just a quick news story here before we uh, speak to Gemma. And actually, this is a story that Gemma and I have already talked about a couple of times uh, in the editorials. It's to do with a trafficking story in Ireland. There was a container full of people. Uh, they phoned the English police who alerted the Irish police that they were stuck in the back of a, uh, a lorry being brought into Ireland. Well, more has now been uh, revealed about this story. So a 30-year-old man who Irish police believe to be from Eastern Europe has been arrested in connection with the suspect of human trafficking, yes, of 14 people into Rossler Port last week. And of course, we were speculating on this. Uh, is it a case of human trafficking? It certainly looks like it when you consider that eight of the 14 people bailed. They just done a runner after they'd been liberated and no one knows where they are. It looks like it has been confirmed as a case of human trafficking. Uh, in Ireland. Uh, Irish police have said that this man uh, in his 30s was arrested and received the tip-off of a person of interest would be arriving into the port and he was arrested there. And then uh, there were 10 Kurdish people uh, from Iran and Iraq, one person from Turkey and three from Vietnam. Vietnam, uh, you know, it takes a lot to get to Ireland from Vietnam. So these people obviously uh, were uh, being trafficked over there. This includes sadly two children ages four and six, and at least eight of the 14 went missing from State Care shortly after being brought to the City West Asylum Hub. 
Dublin. So the plot thickens and uh, this web of trafficking seems to be spreading. Now we know who the people are, we know who was involved in this and we know what was happening there. It's tragic. It's tragic that this is happening uh, in the UK and Ireland now, but not just here, but also all over the world. So uh, we're going to be right back with Gemma in a split second here. So don't go away. This is TNT, today's news talk. Talk that matters. For once, we just need to do what's best for this damn country and not what's best for the world. Today's news talk radio, TNT. There you have it, Gemma. Again, uh, I think we talked in this. There was a guest uh, that didn't show up for one of my interviews last week and you kindly stepped in to the breach and uh, this was the story we talked about and lo and behold more and more layers of the onion are being peeled back here uh, it was people trafficking it was a Romanian guy doing it there were Kurds there were Turks and there were Vietnamese and they were being brought into Ireland illegally who would have thought well, I mean, it's good to get a follow-up on that story because I think that too often we can be dominated by the headlines that we see. And once we've seen the headline, we think we know the whole story and the complexities and everything. One of the things I was taught in Journalism 101 decades ago when I first started in my career was, you know, you always do a follow-up. You always go back to the story. You always see what the new line is. And the new line today is, that you know, exactly what we were discussing, you know, trafficking. And you're quite right about Vietnam. And I think there are some statistics that show the Vietnamese people arriving into the UK, the ones that disappear the quickest. And I think there are some stats and some stories that have come out about people being made to work illegally in the nail bars. I think that's where a lot of uh, Vietnamese women end up. And a lot of young Vietnamese men end up working on cannabis farms. They're just taken away as soon as they get here by by uh, gangster networks and there have been stories on this and arrests as well and convictions um but because they're very young some of these vietnamese people they come over looking for a better life looking for money and they get sucked into what can be quite nefarious uh, ends really mm. so yeah and and they've traveled such a long way to get here and it's such a different w- way of life that they think they're coming to and actually they probably would have been better off staying at home i think can you imagine too, I mean, like the, the stress that those people are under during those journeys? I mean, like if you've ever been on a long haul flight to the Far East or even to Australia or even to Africa and you're flying economy class, you know, people grumble because there's not much room to move and the toilets are limited and they don't like the food. Can you imagine making a journey from Vietnam all the way across Eastern uh, Asia, all the way across Europe and then all the way into Ireland in the back of a shipping container? What hell on earth must that be? when there's 14 of you as well including two small kids no toilets no nothing yeah absolutely you've just you've just described it in one and yeah that that it is horrendous and it is a shocking state of the the world that we're in and the money that people make trafficking uh desperate hopefuls coming to what they think is this amazing uh, new life paved with the streets of pa- streets are paved with gold they're going to help their families they come with best intentions and then the reality obviously is 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 what you've just described at least at least there weren't any fatalities in this one especially with children involved but yeah isn't it interesting that people disappeared pretty quick um and i think that's because they know that if they start talking to the police there are other people that would end up being arrested too so it's a network isn't it it's not Mm -hmm. these things don't exist in isolation no he wasn't working alone. Just to very briefly put an end to this one, this is a, this is crazy. The Irish police say they're not looking. They're not even looking for the eight people that fled. They're not even looking for them from the asylum centre because, quote, they're not under criminal investigation. Listen to that. The Irish police had 14 people trafficked into Ireland legally. Eight of them ran off and the cops are saying, we're not even looking for those people. We don't know where they are. We don't care where they are. They're not under criminal investigation. That tells you everything you need to know about the Irish police's mentality. And Helen, 
menace to society. McEntee should be removed as a justice minister with immediate effect. But anyway, I think this just underscores it. But sorry to digress a little bit, uh, Gemma. Uh, you've got another story for us. What's going on here today? Well, I think it's actually a very important digression, Rick, because, um, you know, why are they being told? They're obviously being told you don't have to go and look, look for these people. Yeah, they're not under criminal investigation. It doesn't mean they're not criminals. I'm not applying everyone that comes to this mm -hmm. country has a criminal record, a criminal background, but we just don't know anything about mm -hmm. them. You know, it could be rapists, could be look at mm -hmm. what happened in Ireland recently and caused riots in Dublin, you know, children getting stabbed because we just mm -hmm. don't know anything about these people's backgrounds. Safe, so Gemma. But even to keep them safe, it said they're not looking for them because they're not criminals or they're not under criminal investigation, but just on a humanitarian point as well, they should be looking to track these people down to say, are you okay? Uh, can we help you out at all? You know, you've just been trafficked into Ireland illegally. Uh, we don't care that you're on the run because you're not a criminal. I, again, it's, it's just, it's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. And I think those orders are coming for on high. And if you look at the wider picture of global mass migration and the destabilization of all cultures around the world, that it, 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 it's clearly something coming from a much higher level than just a few people here and there trying to get in on a small boat or a few people trying to come in on a shipping container and then dis disappearing. We all know that these things are orchestrated on a much bigger scale, um, and clearly the police are being told, "Hey, don't worry about that one. It's fine. Let let them let them just go." And 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 there's no repercussions. There's no repercussions. Should anything happen, there'll be no repercussions. No repercussions. That's a problem. When you have no repercussions, you get trouble in society. The story that you have uh, for us this morning is to do with Ofsted chief warning behavior in some schools. It's so bad. Teachers now lock themselves in class at lunchtime with some fearful of stepping into no-go areas. I would hazard to say, is this not because kids, there's no fear of repercussion. They can do whatever the hell they want and get away with it. And not only get away with it, uh, be, uh, you know, the behaviors condoned. So teachers are living in a climate of fear because there's no repercussions. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was shocked to read this. It's the new boss of Ofsted here in the UK. who's only just taken up his position. So he's obviously wanting to make his presence felt because Ofsted themselves have come in for severe criticism since the death of the head teacher, Ruth Perry, who killed herself after a, a damning Ofsted report, or well, a downgraded Ofsted report, should I say. Um, so the new chief, uh, he has said this morning that um, some schools in the UK are so bad that you're quite right. The teachers are locking themselves in the classroom during breaks uh, and some of them are, are, are finding themselves facing no-go areas where pupils are telling teachers, no, you're not coming in here. You're not coming down this corridor, miss. This is our zone. You're not coming down here. And the teachers are so scared that they're just doing what they're told by the pupils. Um, so yeah, and obviously there are no repercussions for this. He cites one example of a, a head teacher that started at a school in Nottingham, a head teacher, and on the first day in the job, he was assaulted by a pupil. Now we talked yesterday and the day before about this story uh, about the Michaela Community School in Northwest London, which faced a mm. high court hearing this week where the head teacher is one of the strictest schools in the UK. It's a community free school, so it's independent. Um, she founded it, the head teacher, and she clamped down on the pupils and said, I'm banning Muslim prayers. We don't favor one religion over another in this school. We are all one community. Um, it's gone to the high court though, because a pupil there stood up to her and said, no, you're infringing on my, my religious rights. And she's taken the, her own head teacher to the high court. So there does seem to be in all schools across the land, whether state schools 
or or free schools which are independent and founded um there's this backlash from teachers and pupils where pupils seem to be taking the reins of power right up to the high court literally um and and teachers are so scared to to fight back now the teacher at the community school which we've been discussing she did fight back but we have still to hear the high court ruling on that um the hearing is over but we don't know what the judge's verdict is going to be the judge might go in line with the muslim pupil so it does seem that law and order in schools I mean, you and I, when we were in school, mm -hmm. we did what we were told, you know, oh, yeah. might not have liked it. We might have spoken back. But, you know, if you got a report card, your mum and dad would be in the school and you'd be in trouble mm -hmm. at home. Well, I would. Uh, and, and the teachers would be on you. It just wasn't worth the hassle. You know, it was better just to try and have a bit of fun with your mates and, and, and maybe do a bit of cheek, but nothing like this. So it does seem there's something that's irrevocably broken down. He's pledged to fix it. He says it can be fixed. I think it's a lot tall order because um, it seems to be happening in all types of schools across the UK. Yeah, and uh, you know, hearkening back to the school days of yore, you know, when I was at primary school, teachers had carte blanche, they could beat the crap out of you with sticks if you stepped out of line. And even in the secondary school, I went to secondary school in 1985 until 1992, they outlawed that degree, but you still had teachers. I mean, I can remember a biology teacher, he used to, we all sat at benches and he used to walk up behind everyone saying, have you done your homework? And if the answer to that was no, he used to start punching you in the kidneys or whacking you over the head with a metal spoon, Mr. Green uh, or Maz teacher used to flick is really hard in the temple which was incredibly painful and potentially fatal as well he thought nothing of that or chucking blackboard dusters at you and you did not mess around uh, there were some teachers you didn't mess with because you, you were either going to get physically assaulted or thrown out of the class or suspended and your parents were told to maybe got a digging from them too fear of repercussions fear of repercussions where there's a fear of repercussions people behave when there's no fear of repercussions you get chaos and i think what we're seeing at the minute is uh, this guy's testifying or these teachers are testifying it's chaotic out there because there's no fear of repercussions we need to we need to get serious again in our schools or else heaven help those teachers well, I, I really wouldn't advocate such sadistic child abuse repercussions no. for, you know, <laughs> natural suggest. exuberant high spirits. <laughs> I mean, you could argue, Rick, that has made That's you the man extreme, you are today. It's extreme. <laughs> I, I'm not advocating that. Uh, we're not condoning uh, child abuse in schools. However, there definitely, there definitely, Gemma, has to be some, uh, put it like this, let's even take physicality out of it. For example, if, you, if you're if you a pupil in a school and you're messing around, uh, you should be spoken to, you should be warned, and then if you don't play ball, you should be removed from that school setting or suspended until you play ball. Or the parents should be uh, made to pay for the children's misbehavior because many times the parents just don't give a damn. Maybe if there were financial fines for them, it could result in them enforcing more discipline in the home, which carries through into the classroom. So no, I'm not saying go back to that because they were terrible days and we had some of the most wicked, evil monsters that I can ever think about in my primary school and into my secondary school. But they're all dead now anyway. Uh, I don't advocate that, but certainly we need to get tough. We need to get tougher in schools because this namby-pamby approach isn't working. I mean, I will just caveat that because I've come on uh, this show a lot and other shows on TNT and I've talked about how schools, you know, if I had kids, which I don't, there's no way I'd put them in the school system, not because of things that you've just outlined, but because I feel it's brainwashing and it's programming you to be a good little free-range slave on a tax farm and don't go out the parameters of the life of, you know, get married, have kids, have, you know, have as many kids as you can to prop the system up, uh, keep going to work, pay your tax, all of that, that brainwashing that puts you in a very narrow life. I wouldn't send my 
kids to school because of that. And I, there's all sorts of reasons why I wouldn't, but I don't advocate this violence and climate of fear on teachers who are just trying to do their job. They just mm -hmm. want to go to work, get paid, have a nice life with their loved ones, and they shouldn't be subjected to a climate of fear in the classroom. I don't believe that schools are a particularly great place uh, for, for young people, but equally, if you're trying to make a living uh, as a teacher, this it is unacceptable that you go into work and you're too scared in your lunch break to go outside. I mean, that I that is something that's really not acceptable in any environment, no. any work environment, actually. No, it sucks. And I mean, it, it causes massive strain on the teachers. Then they can't do their jobs properly, which is the attempt to educate the children. Everybody suffers. So, yeah, Ofsted, you need to do some, uh, you need to crack down on these uh, delinquents, juvenile delinquents, get serious with them, send a message out that the other kids are going to hear loud and clear and uh, toe the line. But that's uh, maybe wishful thinking, or maybe we'll see it happen. It's in the hands of Ofsted to a degree. Gemma, massive thanks to you as always uh, for that story and everything uh, that you brought to the table this week. Uh, you'll be back in an hour with James on the Freeman Report, I understand, but uh, have a wonderful weekend. I'll not talk to you again. i got to take a brief pause now, and Kira Connolly, hopefully, will be joining from Ireland. So don't go away. Stay tuned to the one and only TNT, today's news talk. TNT's Steve Malsberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers what, what was, was the duty of the president to do, and then after the fact, after he's president, he could be prosecuted. The example has come up today many times. Well, when Joe Biden leaves office, he could be prosecuted for not securing the border. Barack Obama um, okayed drone strikes against American citizens overseas. He could be prosecuted for murder. I mean, this opens up a whole can of worms. Um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that, uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. When the world's endangered animals need help most, when their lives are at greatest risk, when they would otherwise be lost, the International Fund for Animal Welfare is there, taking action to rescue the animals we love, to protect them and their threatened natural habitats. But the danger to animals the world over is growing, and the need for your help has never been more urgent. On land, you'll help stop poachers from threatening and killing elephants and big cats for the illegal wildlife trade. In the oceans, you'll help rescue dolphins, whales, and seals from deadly hazards. And you'll help rescue, rehabilitate, and release vulnerable animals when disasters strike. Here at home and around the world, we can't do this work without you. See how you can help animals and people thrive together at joinifall.org. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Yes, TNT, today's News Talk. Uh, this is Locked and Loaded. I'm Rick Munn, and we're going to focus on Ireland uh, until the top of the hour. Not one, but two Irish guests. I'm going to be joined now by Kira Connolly for the first time on Locked and Loaded on TNT. Kira is an Irish radio presenter and also social commentator. Their work can be found on planetradio.ie. Kira, welcome to TNT. How are you doing today? Good morning to you. How are you? Happy Friday. 
Yeah, happy Friday indeed. Listen, I actually saw a post of yours uh, on social media this week. Uh, I didn't know that I was going to be talking to you by the end of the week. Maybe that's uh, destiny. I don't know. But it was a, a message that you'd put up about a conversation that you'd had with an Irish hotelier. And one of the things that I've been trying to highlight this week is the, the, the damage that's been done to the Irish hospitality industry over the last three to four years in particular, you know, during the lockdowns and with the ongoing financial crisis. Uh, can you expand a little but I mean, I have the, the post here in front of me. Uh, it's to do with uh, in 2008, there was a crash that almost uh, closed them, but they struggled through. Then they had to close in 2020 for COVID. Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Or is that a one-off? Or do you think it's a sign of the times for what's going on in the Irish hospitality industry? Well, absolutely. Um, I, I suppose to to preface it, um, um, as well as radio, um, I, I do IT uh, services. Hmm. And one of um, one of the things that I was very extensively involved in was hotel systems in, we'd say, the the two thousands, coming right up to the crash. So I'd have a lot of old contacts um, through that. Now the hotelier in question rang me because he he said um, he said I need to keep my records for seven years, but I want to shut down my servers. Um, would they work if I turn them on if I need them? And I said, well, they're kind of old. You really need to back it up and maybe put them on a disc and if you need to access them. And I said, but why are you doing that? He said, um, well, I've been offered the ability to lease my entire property um, to the government to qualify for refugees. And I said, oh, wow, um, that's a big decision. So he went on to explain, you know, as we know, since the Ukrainian war, power prices multiplied by four, particularly in Ireland. Mm. Uh, aside of all the other things that are happening, insurance prices, uh, um, food prices, and everything else, so um, he 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 found that the decision to have a hundred percent occupancy paid for without any intervention from himself, without any costs, was an, a no-brainer. And the same thing has been given to many hotels around Ireland. Now, I think that the to 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 um, to put it in context, um, I posted another. Um, piece last night about student residences in Cork that mm -hmm. allegedly the government are eyeing up for 50, they're going to buy it for 57 million allegedly. So they're going to take the students out of a student residence right beside a university and they're going to put refugees in there but without any you know at the moment students have a problem getting accommodation throughout Ireland and throughout the world. Uh, so they're talking about doing this um, you know, you can see um, Charlotte sent me on uh, about Ross Gray. You can see what happened down there. Hotel, which was functioning up to a weekend. And then the following week, it was put um, for refugees. And uh, there was protests down there. Um, and, and it's a recurring thing. You know, there's so many hotels being taken over. The Fulch Ireland um, said that in Ireland in 2018, 9.6 billion euro to the exchequer directly from tourism. That's aside all the other sub-industries outside of tourism, like weddings and events and, you know, functions that happen in hotels. And aside from the suppliers, like wedding suppliers and uh, bands and all the other stuff that goes with that, which which is totally on top of that tourism figure. They haven't produced the figures in the last two years, um, but there's a severe decline in basically Tourism, they reckon yeah. that 21% of hotels are now taken up with refugees. 
Um, That's a crazy, at, at this moment. A crazy figure. It's a crazy figure. I, I can remember uh, when I was uh, a lot younger, I, you know, if, if we wanted to take a holiday, we would have toured around Ireland, you know, I've been to Rossgrave, I've been down to Killarney, I've been in Kilkenny, I've been in Cork, I've been in Galway, I've been in Kinsale, all over the place. Uh, and back then, uh, Ireland back then is a completely different place than it is now. And not only would it become more difficult to secure a hotel room now, because, you know, 20 odd percent are now taken up by uh, refugees or asylum seekers, but also, uh, the atmosphere in many places has changed. Uh, certain pockets of Ireland are now, you know, uh, overrun. In some cases, villages have had their populations doubled overnight because they're bussing in uh, lots of men. It makes the place less attractive as well to tourists if they think, well, who am I going to be sharing a hotel room with? And who's going to be hanging around outside the bars uh, at kicking out time? Not to say that, you know, Irish men can't do a lot of damage uh, when they're drunk and get very belligerent and aggressive too. You know, I can say that, you know, as an Irishman. But what I'm saying is uh, it doesn't paint the tourist industry in a good light uh, when you get bad news stories, especially violence in the streets of Dublin filtering out into the world press also. Well, I think I think that that's a very good point. And I'll frame that point. I made a post which a lot of people suggested, it was a couple of months back, oh, that that's nonsense and made up and everything else. Um, in one of the business that I'm involved in, we had, um, you know, we take interns and, uh, well, not really interns because they get pretty much fully paid for what they do rather than, you know, some of the intern abuse that happens. But we had an intern from a college in Goway, University College Goway, and she was doing some quality stuff for us. A very bright girl, very bright girl. And she obviously had found the love of her life at college and they got engaged to college, very young, but uh, who, who might comment. But she got all her, she got her degree and he got his medical degree, uh, well, medical sciences degree. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, well, what are you going to do in after college? You know, do you want to stay on with us until you get a gig or what would you, what's your intentions? Yeah. She said, in actual fact, she said, we're moving to Australia. I said, yeah. why are you moving to Australia? Well, she said, and she sent me this email. She said, um, and let me think about the key points. She said, well, she says like this, I or himself don't think that we'll be ever able to afford a house like my parents did. She said that um, even when they went to look at getting married next year, she mm -hmm. said they went to a hotel and the hotel couldn't guarantee the price of the wedding. Okay, they said, well, this is the price now, but it could go up depending on mm -hmm. power and all the rest of the stuff. They couldn't guarantee that there'd actually be an operation this time next year. And they couldn't guarantee that the hotel, uh, the, the bridal party would have exclusive use of the hotel because she had been at a party the year before you know, just after COVID, mm -hmm. where they were sharing the hotel, half the hotel was full of refugees and halfway during the night, the refugees came in and crashed the party. And it, the party was actually shut down early because there was the, the Irish guys said, get out. The other guys, mm -hmm. why, why do you want us to get out? And there was a fight. So, you know, that's a very valid point. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 the reality is I, I put up a video there from a young woman uh, two nights ago from Tralee. Um, where she was followed around the place, back and forth, back and forth on the road. And in the end, she had to s seek sanctuary in a petrol station because the guy kept telling her, um, we need to get you, we need to get you, uh, you, you come shopping with me. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that while I have no problem, as I'm sure you don't, or any right-thinking person mm -hmm. in the world, if a person is seeking asylum, yeah, um, no problem. But yeah. unfortunately, no more than the UK and Ireland, we have a serious problem in the sense that it's been abused. 70% of the people in Ireland, once they arrive at Dublin airport, have magically lost their papers 
in the air. Which doesn't make any sense at all. No. Uh, you know, we've got to take, uh, I want to uh, stay on that uh, subject of identification and who's actually coming into the country. We've got to just take a real brief pause uh, for news headlines, but we'll be back in about 30 seconds. So please stay tuned for more uh, Ireland conversation here on the one and only TNT, today's news talk. This is today's news talk radio, TNT. Here is the news. Matt Boyland here with your TNT headlines. After taunting congressional leaders for weeks and crying foul to the press, the US president's son, Hunter Biden, has reluctantly agreed to testify in private next month as part of the House's impeachment investigation into his father. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has confirmed he wants to seize control of Gaza once the war ends. And US Congress has passed another short-term funding bill, preventing a government shutdown until at least March. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab or Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, currently in conversation live with Kira Connolly, planetradio.ie in Ireland. Kira, this business about identification, just before you came onto the show this morning, I don't know if you heard it or not, but I was covering a story with Gemma Cooper, and it was to do with uh, people trafficking into Ireland. There was a container intercepted this week at Rossler, uh, 14 people on board. Apparently, they had made a phone call to the UK police who tipped off the Irish police who opened up this container in Rossler, and lo and behold, there were 14 people in it uh, from Vietnam, from Turkey, from Iran and Iraq, including two children. Now, when those people were taken to an asylum uh, processing plant, eight people absconded and ran off and the Irish police and Goddess Yukana have said, we're not looking for those people because they're not criminals. I would have thought, surely to God, if you have eight people coming into Ireland in the back of a container and they've all went AWOL, you should at the very least try and track them down to see who they are, what they're doing in Ireland and maybe make sure they're okay. Uh, but again, nothing's being done. Well, here's the thing. Um, we have we have that particular situation where they were brought from Roslair to City West, which is the DP. It's a kind mm -hmm. of processing center. Um, under EU law and under the UN conventions and all the other, whatever you want to put it, um, where we can take fingerprints and run them through the immigration database, okay? If I say I'm from Iran or some country like that, the Irish government are precluded, allegedly, um, from inquiring as to um, any criminal record that I may have, I may want in the country because I'm seeking asylum from that country. So you have a scary situation where there's people in Ireland who we don't know who they are. Literally, you can walk into Dublin airport. Within 10 days, you'll have a bank account and a new ID based on who you tell them you are. Now, leading on from that, we had a situation which I wrote about last April, which I, when I broke the story, it came up on my newsfeed in the studio on a Sunday night, a guy about a guy called Peter Dubé. Now, I'll give the, the short synopsis um, because we're, we're, we're limited on time, but this guy came to Ireland with his wife, uh, with his first wife and two children, having allegedly murdered three people in Zimbabwe and allegedly um, attempted murder of a young five-year-old boy and another man. Um, he was found to be in the Red Cow Hotel in Dublin based on social media post that was seen back home that was picked up by someone 
and the papers got it and the Zim police got it. There was an Interpol red notice for the gentleman, okay, and he was wanted. The Zim police had contacted Dublin um, and that process happened. Um, I was astounded because it was it was uh, it was covered in most of the regional newspapers and the international newspapers on that side of the world. Um, so I contacted them to make sure that it was all kosher and they sent me on the social media and I said, yeah, that's a red cow and that's definitely him. So I contacted the Department of Justice and asked what they were doing um, at 11.23 on a Wednesday morning. Um, the email was read something like 20 times by 20 different people because I got the reader receipts and they responded to it at 20 past eight that night saying they don't comment on individual cases. Mm. No newspapers, no media in Ireland covered it up until the following Thursday, where they, where Michael O'Toole in the um, uh, Daily Mail put up a post saying, or did an article saying that the Irish police had no um, reason to believe that he was in the country, according to their inquiries. We yeah. knew he was because we knew where he was and we had video of where he was. Um, so this rolled on. None of the media wanted to cover it. No one wanted to cover it. Any heel of the hunt and everything else rolled on uh, another couple of weeks. The pressure was put on. He was arrested and brought to a district court in Ireland. Okay. Now, bear in mind, Interpol Red Notice, that's big because you're now wanted in 150 different countries. Mm -hmm. um, an extradition application from the Zimbabwean police. The man was deported to Mozambique based on the false papers that he had. Right. And, and this is this is one this is one example that you're uh, discussing and talking about now. I shudder to think the amount of people. And of course, listen, uh, murder and uh, violent crime is something Irish people have been perpetrating amongst themselves for a very, very long time. But the, the problem is, uh, Kira, that a lot of these crimes could be prevented by stopping people or performing adequate checks and borders or making people are actual legitimate asylum seekers, not uh, financial chancers that are coming into Ireland, you know, thinking it's the land that flows with milk and honey based on promises that have been given to them. You're going to get turnkey accommodation. At one stage, we're offering the highest rates per week of benefits, which was about 220 euro a week, sometimes 10 times higher than some other EU places. So of course, people are going to be flocking here. And sadly, uh, the police and uh, Helen McEntee in particular who is I nominated for the most menace to society in the face of the planet last year, without a doubt, in my opinion, Helen McEntee, the so-called Irish Justice Minister. She's doing sweet F.A. about this. Uh, we've got to wrap this up in about uh, 30 seconds or whatnot. Uh, McEntee, should she stay or should she go? Um, well, the, 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 they're, they're just spin doctors. That's the reality. Yeah. They're just spinning it. Um, you have, as you say, you have the, the 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 high rates in Ireland, in respect of the the they're bringing that down now to thirty eight quid. Um, but the, the the Irish people are being left behind. You know, you have student residences being being taken over. You have hotels being taken over, and Irish people are to the pin to the collar. But you also have situations like uh, a girl called Ashley Murphy was murdered by uh, mm -hmm. by a guy, and he hadn't worked a day in his life in Ireland, nor had his family. Uh, you had a, a, a guy up in Sligo who beheaded and murdered two men, disemboweled them, okay? Mm -hmm. He had 12 on a hit list. His family moved from Iraq under the program um, when he was six years of age. Um, he is alleged to have gone back to 
the Middle East because he was caught doing something he shouldn't be doing here by his dad. And then he comes back to Ireland. He murder, murders two men in the middle of Ramadan, the 10th and 11th day, which is, which is, which is very significant. He was found with 375,000 euro in his apartment yeah. okay, at 21 years of age. Never worked, never did anything. And it's kind of, you know, what's happening here? Now, he took a plea because I think that everybody knew that if the real truth came out, that it would be just crazy for both immigration, for, you know, everything else. Mm-hmm. You have a situation in Dublin yesterday where a bomb went off in, um, in sheltered accommodation or, you know, refugee accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, a device was tampered with. The bomb squad were in and they, they um, controlled, detonated mm-hmm. a second device. But you have all these people that come up and say, oh, you're being racist. That, that's not a device at all. That was a heater. That was this. That was that. That was the other. Where, you know, you don't have a bomb squad yeah. robot going into a hotel or accommodation Over if there isn't a little bit of threat. And it just, you know, you just look at this. And, you know, there was, um, I put up a post yesterday about the student accommodation. And this person comes up and it's it's on my timeline and says, oh, you're being very mean. Um, in actual fact, you know, if it was done properly, they they the refugees and the students could have a common area where they could all get to integrate and know each other. And it wouldn't be wonderful. Mm. You know, where you have people in Ireland who their respect for women and their respect for, you know, our laws or the UK mm. laws or whatever, you know, are or irrelevant. Zero. zero. Uh, or, or, or slim to nothing to zero. Listen, I could talk to you about this for an awful long time, but we are up to time here uh, as per right now, Kira. I just want to say a massive thank you for you coming on and speaking so frankly about the issues that are plaguing Ireland at the minute. That's Kira Connolly. And you can follow Kira at Kira underscore con on the X platform and also check out uh, planetradio.ie. So big thanks to you. And I hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend, Kira. I'm Rick Munn. This is TNT Radio. And Aisling O'Loughlin will be joining me just after this short break here live. Don't go away. Still got more to come for the top of the hour on TNT. It's been said that when someone you love has Parkinson's, you have Parkinson's. The truth is, Parkinson's disease doesn't just affect the diagnosed. It affects everyone who supports and helps care for them. Worldwide, over 10 million people are living with Parkinson's, a neurological disease that affects movement. And with so many places to search for information, it can be difficult to know where to begin. The Parkinson's Foundation has answers. Answers for everyone in the fight. We can help you understand the disease, help you find expert care, give you tips for living a better life, share the latest research, help you find local support, and there's a free helpline you can call. Find your answers and join us in the fight against Parkinson's. To learn more, please go to parkinson.org or call 1-800-4PD-INFO. The Parkinson's Foundation. Better Better lives together. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. Every day he's hungry for something. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then it kind of starts to work itself out. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
Okay, uh, the pace is relentless here this morning. I'm joined uh, to finish off my week on, uh, I don't want to say on a high note, and I don't want to you know, say it in a disparaging way to any other guests that I've had here, but it's always lovely to talk with Aisling O'Loughlin. We're keeping in Ireland this morning. Uh, Aisling is a an independent journalist. Uh, she's a long history in media and journalism, and uh, she's back in Ireland as per right now, and she's got her own podcast, and she's been very happy to join me here in TNT periodically over about the last year or so. Aisling, how are you doing this fine Friday morning? Happy New Year to you, Rick, and well done on all your work so far. It's been a crazy 2024, hasn't it? I mean, it just mm -hmm. started with a bang and it's been incredibly exciting, awful and terrible and brilliant and funny. And that's the kind of way it is. You know, we're having this very intense experience at life and we're getting to know ourselves very much so. Uh, it is mad and you know when you say what a 2024 it's been normally you come out with a statement like that maybe august september october as you're re <laughs> reflecting on the year it's the the 19th of january and already we're going Whoa, what a year it's been crazy it's been mad it's been insane we're only 19 days in if we keep going in this trajectory we may not see 2025 if we keep going at this rate well, you know what? There's a real appetite for change now and people just want to get the job done and they're fed up and there's a, an energy to 2024. I mean, I thought it was going to be 2023. In fact, I thought it was going to be 2022. Uh, I thought we were all going to just go charge over the finishing line and say enough of this nonsense now. We've had enough. Uh, but it seems to be 2024 is going to be a big year. It's looking very likely. I mean, it's all kicked off in Ireland. We've seen this groundswell of the people saying, no, we've had enough. This crazy open border policy trying to wedge mm -hmm. as many military age men. I mean, they're calling them Ukrainian mm -hmm. refugees, but then the military age men arrive uh, not from Ukraine, not fleeing war. So we have this government who's telling us porkies, big porkies. We know there's loads of money to be made out of this human trafficking. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not being straight. They're not being honest. Uh, and the people are rising up finally and saying no. And they're being called all sorts of names. Of course, they're being called racist. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, we have this new group of people who realize we have this media, uh, they're not on our side because they're captured. We have this captured government and they will turn on you very quickly if you don't go along with their narrative. So we have a whole new group of people who are realizing this and it's a really, really big deal. Um, we're seeing it now in the news, you know, because I'm, I'm watching the news all the time. I'm always monitoring the mainstream media. And They've really turned on these people who, uh, Ross Gray now is the latest. And mm -hmm. if you look at them, you know, I'm watching the news with my mother and she's she saying, well, they're just like us, this far right people. Uh, they're grannies, they're mammies, mm -hmm. daddies. Um, and just concerned locals who are saying, well, wait a second. You know, it's called Racket Hall. <laughs> the hotel is called Racket Hall. You couldn't make it up for the racket. I mean, God has a sense of humor for sure. And fair play to the locals. Uh, they have it's been freezing over here, mm -hmm. and the locals have been uh, pitched their tents. But they brought in the heavies. They brought in the heavy cops, and there were scuffles and kerfuffles, and it looked very bad on the six one news on RTE. It looked bad. The optics were not good because we could see these people were reasonably out there saying, mm -hmm. "Who are these people? Are they vetted? They're going to take away our local." a hotel that we use for our christenings and communions and weddings. Mm -hmm. That's all we have, you know, to get together and join. 
Um, so they were being incredibly reasonable. And then you get this very heavy handed approach and you're called racist and far right. So people are talking. It's very interesting. Isn't it? Uh, it's 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 bizarre almost when you do see the people that are on the streets protesting, you know, elderly men, elderly women, uh, women there with children, young men, older men that are there being treated uh, to the heavy handed approach by the rad squad. It doesn't. Uh, there's always an event that is a tipping point event. And I think there will be a tipping point event in the very, very near future that really does push this whole thing over the line. Because let's face it, uh, there's only I mean, it, People are now, irrespective of what your political views are, people are looking around now, Ashling in Ireland, and saying, you know what, listen, we don't have anywhere to put Irish people, let alone people flooding in by the tens of thousands from all parts of Eastern Europe and Africa and allegedly uh, the Middle East. There was a story there about Ross Slur, a shipping container with 14 people had been trafficked in by a Romanian man. Uh, eight of them have absconded from the processing plant in City West. The Guardian have said, we're not even looking for those people because they're not criminals, despite the fact that they've been just trafficked in from Kurdist or from... Uh, Turkey, Vietnam, Iran, and Iraq, but they're at large now. Eight people at large in Ireland and on Gordish Connor are saying, we're not after them because they're not criminals. Surely they would want to know where, who these people are and where they're, where they're currently at if they've just come out of the back of a shipping container. Things are very weird. And finally, Middle Ireland's beginning to cotton on, you know, that the conspiracy theorists, so-called, aren't so crazy after all. I mean, if you go and look on the ISPCC and look at the missing children, mm -hmm. if you think of Maddie McCann and, you know, the reaction to that child going missing and the whole world stopped and it was like the only child in the world that had gone missing. But if you go on to the ISPCC and look at missing children in Ireland, it just keeps going down and down. And I'm, I'm thinking, where are these children? You know, I, I put it out on my Telegram channel. of like, where are all these missing children? And people say, well, there's all sorts of stories. They could have run away from their foster care. They could, you know, there's all sorts. But why don't we talk about it? And it's incredible the amount of foreign children that have gone missing in Ireland. You know, we look at what's happening in the US as well, at the borders open. You know, this is a perfect time for criminals, criminality, people trafficking, paedophilia, uh, the prostitution, all of these really dingy and dark things. This dark world has opened up and has now come to our doorstep in Ireland. And, you know, law and order has broken down. We have Leo Varadkar in Davos wagging the finger, you know, with the WEF crowd. And there he is wagging the finger and because some of these so-called refugee centres, you know, they're not refugees. This is, again, everything's a misnomer, uh, have been going up in smoke. There have been uh, fires, arson. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, people are at the end of their tether with all of this because they're not being listened to. They're Correct. saying, look, we don't know who these men are. They've, they're allowed to come into the country with no documents. Um, you know, we've seen it already that many of them have a criminal past that they're fleeing. Sure, of course they'd come to Ireland, you know, and of course there are good people in the mix with that. But that still, it doesn't make it all right. It still doesn't yeah. make it all right. And I think it's very important that we don't lose our humanity in all of this. You know, that's really the most important thing, that we don't become as bad as these cretins um, mm -hmm. who are trying to ruin everything, um, that we keep our standards. And this is really what it's about. It's about having standards, um, you know, that if you do come into Ireland, you must be vetted. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, we, need, we do need economic migrants. Of course we do. And we do love the people that we have there. It's a fine mix, but it has to be Ireland for the Irish first. Yes. And, you know, it cannot be at the cost of the native culture. 
population. So really reasonable things that we want to discuss and talk about. Uh, we're getting there. Thankfully, we have, you know, TNT radio because, you know, and X, you know, X is kind of saving the day too at the moment. So we have few places they are getting slimmer and slimmer. Censorship is still a giant problem and all this name calling. But finally, I think people are beginning to see through it because it's coming to their own doorstep. And, you know, the talk, people talk about the elephant in the room. You can't see, you know, ignoring the elephant in the room. But I think this elephant, Aisling, in so many ways is getting fatter and fatter by the day. And the room is shrinking at the same point. It's it's going to get to the point where you just simply can't ignore it anymore. It becomes so bloated and so, uh, so huge and all enveloping. There's no escaping from it. And we're touching on so many different issues here. One that's particularly close to your heart that you've been shining a light on for a very, very long time is excess deaths uh, in Ireland as well that are way, way, way above what they should be at the minute. There was an interview that you uh, did with Dennis Rancourt, Excess Mortality in Ireland. Uh, so there's a link here that you put up on uh, X or on Twitter, call it whatever you like, uh, or Dennis did anyway. Here's an interview I did on 17th of January with Aisling O'Loughlin about excess mortality. Shocking data with persistent excess all-cause mortality into 2023. Uh, that's another thing that I think the government are trying to bury or explain it away using you know climate change or you know extra bad flu strain whatever you like but certainly a lot of people are now looking there's a lot of people have lost loved ones died young died prematurely died suddenly heart attack out of the blue it's it's hard to skip that at the minute and it's growing 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 it'll be impossible to brush that one under the carpet in time although they're doing a damn good job of it at the minute but it, they can't contain this one forever either can they they're doing a great job. They've tried to fudge the numbers with this OECD report. So they've they've pulled out Anthony Staines from DCU. And, you know, they're saying, look, there were no excess debts during the, the so-called deadly pandemic. Wasn't that a funny pandemic that there was mm. no excess debts? Mm. So that would kind of concur with what Denis Rancourt, that's how he calls himself, uh, mm. Professor Denis Rancourt um, would say, yeah, there wasn't because there was no pandemic. There was no viral. Nothing was spreading. All right. That's that's his conclusion on the whole thing. Um, but the Irish government, Irish authorities, and of course the scientists that they have cherry-picked, including Professor Anthony Staines, uh, they're lumping 2021-2022 all together and they're saying, oh look, it's because those incredible you know, vaccines worked. But the fact is, Rancor has come out with his graph. This is the definitive graph on excess deaths because he looks at all-cause mortality. And across the world, he's looking at 150 countries. So he's getting a real picture of, of what's really going on. And then he's looking at excess debts. And it's very clear. And he, he's cool and he's calm in his delivery. And it's very, it's impossible to argue with him, really and truly. So oh. incredible day to get that international spotlight on Ireland. He's just off Alex Jones. He has millions of people listening to him right now. So incredible to get Rancor talking about Irish excess debts. Uh, and of course, highlighting, you know, the Irish government are trying to hide the bodies. We need to talk about excess deaths since the rollout of the experimental vaccines. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to talk about. That's I was watching RT last night. They were up in the north. They're doing anything. They'll cover any story. But this story, this that's how compromised the media are.
I can remember, I'm sure you can too, whenever these jabs were first uh, unleashed upon the public, which is pretty much three years ago, I think it was December of 2020 that they came out. So give, a, give or take a month, they've been in, in circulation for three years now. I can remember Dolores Cahill came out and said, listen, these things are bad news. She said, or she believed that within three to five years, anyone that had taken a, a legitimate shot of this could or would be dead. That was a possibility. We're now up to three years. So it's three years since the first people got jabbed and certainly excess deaths are on the rise not just in ireland but right across the world or anywhere where this uh, had a, a uh, how would you say a very hardcore vaccination campaign some countries were worse than others are we starting to see that beginning to crystallize now do you think i know not every excess death is down to uh, the covid jabs but certainly uh, you can't say that a large percentage of them couldn't well be down to these shots yeah, well, well, we'll never forget the ferrets. Remember back in 2021, mm -hmm. everybody was talking about these ferrets who, uh, you know, they started off grand and then they all died. All the ferrets died. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you don't want to be the harbinger of bad news. As far as I'm concerned, where there's life, there's hope. And the longer the time goes on, I'm thinking, hopefully the body just pings it out. We've got all sorts of detoxes and ivermectin keeps coming back up again in the conversation. We've all the censored doctors. So I, you know, you don't want to go, well, you're going to die because you took the vaccine. I don't yeah. believe that. I no. think the longer the time goes on, I think people were very silly to enter a trial run mm -hmm. by people who want to depopulate the planet. That was a silly move. And you should have listened mm -hmm. to the conspiracy theorists. So I really think people have to learn their lesson on that. People are always telling me, will you ever shut up about this? You're banging on about it and time has passed no. now. And you're still going on about it. And I'm like, I'll be going on about this till the to, to my last breath, quite frankly, mm -hmm. because people are going to have to learn this lesson. A very silly thing they've done and they're dragging us all down with them because they haven't understood the situation that, yes, we have Bill Gates, who does want to depopulate the planet. It's not a mm -hmm. conspiracy theory offering. He's the one funding the World Health Organization and then offering these free vaccines. Stop being silly. 2024 is the year we're going to stop being silly. We're going to all man and woman up here and sort this out. Well, detox will help all along the way, it could be us. I could be the first gone. You know, they could say she died of COVID. I don't know. All I know is we're in the middle of a big pickle and we're going to get our way out of it. And we're going to detox and we're going to clear this mess up and we're going to do it because we have to do it. We do. And another reason why you shouldn't keep banging on about this, which of course you're not banging on about it, you're just, uh, you're you're doing it. Uh, there's nothing in it for you to warn people. You're trying to help people. You're trying not to get people injured. You know, you're not being paid by Big Pharma or by anybody else, some uh, oligarch to, 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 to give a counter narrative here. But this week alone in Davos, uh, Jeremy Hunt, that scumbag from the UK has said, listen, uh, next time, when the next pandemic comes along and there's one on its way, we can't afford to wait for one year before we bring a vaccine to the market. We have to get it to the market. ASAP is talking about using AI tech. So already this principle, I think of mass vaccination campaigns and roll up your sleeve and do it uh, for the greater good. That principle isn't going away. It's in a lull at the minute, but I think it's gonna. they're going to come back hard with that agenda as well into 2024 is the bang on about disease X and so on and so forth. And Ireland, listen, we're nearly up to time in this. Where the hell does the time go at when we're talking? It seems to be accelerated somehow. A time accelerator is applied by the World Economic Forum onto TNT when you come I don't. on here, but we're... <laughs> We're pretty much up I just, to time. One thing I uh, want to say before yes, we go, because I know time is nearly up, but I I really am at the point where I don't think they care 
that they, they no. sound stupid. I don't think they care how mad it sounds now. I think they're like, suck it up, buttercups, we're coming. Mm -hmm. And we have to go, no, you're not. No, no you're, you're not. not. Hell no, hell no, they're not. No, refuse, resist, and rise has to be the order of the day. In case I don't get to do it before the top of the, or the end of the show, you can follow Aisling if you don't already do so. She has a fantastic Substack page, which is Aisling. I'll spell that A I S L I N G O Lachlan O L O U G H L I N Aisling O Lachlan dot Substack dot com, and you can also follow her on the X platform, also known as Twitter. At you're going to have to change your handle. It's too bloody difficult to spell <laughs> yeah. this one. It is Aisling Lachlan number one. <laughs> Look for seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open. Ask, and ye shall receive. I think that's another good way to go into the weekend. So Aisling, massive thanks to you again for joining us, and Thank uh, you. have a happy new year yourself. And no doubt we'll talk again sooner rather than later. That's the wonderful Aisling O'Loch. I'm Rick Munn. I'm signing off for the weekend. Give this larynx of mine a rest until Monday morning at 9am. James Freeman's incoming. Stay tuned for more magic here on the one and only TNT Today's News Talk. <laughs>